Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose Dose of Wicked. How's it going? Welcome to another Wicked Wednesday hump day. Is that what we're calling them now? Wicked Wednesdays? Yeah, Wicked Wednesdays. I like it. It's done. It's it's a thing now. It's a thing. Hope you guys are doing fabulous on this beautiful day. It's actually not beautiful. It's cold here. Yeah, it was. Super cold. And rainy. Not a fan. And you know what? Normally... Between North Carolina and South Carolina, there's only like a 10 degree difference, right? Yeah. I was talking to Allison earlier. It was 72 degrees there. What the fuck? It was 44 here. Was it 44? I feel like it was 24. My car said 44. Could have been wrong, but my car said it was 44. And she was like, she's like, all right, boys, come on. Do you need coats? Ah, it's 72. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm over here freezing to death in the rain and it's 72 degrees there. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Anyway, things that don't involve the weather. Moving on. Moving on. What kind of business do we have? We ain't got no business. No business? No business up in here. We ain't got no new Patreon, so that's cool, whatever. But if somebody did want to join the Patreon, Ashley, how would they do it? They would go to patreon.com slash wicked. Yes, they would. That's exactly what they would do. And if perchance they wanted to follow us on Instagram, where would they go? Weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked. That's right. That's right. And if they wanted to find us on Facebook, what would they do? They would just search on up in their weekly dose of wicked and they would like and follow us. What if they wanted to send us a piece of fan mail? Well, we have a P.O. box. Let me look up that address. P.O. box 1142. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not that fast. I think it's P.O. Box 1142, China Grove, North Carolina, 28146. Probably not. Nope. Am I completely Let's wrong? that. <laughs> no, you just got the zip code wrong. It's P.O. Box 1142, China Grove, North Carolina, 28023. All right. Well, I was close. I didn't know the zip code. Close, but no cigar. Ah, whatever, whatever. So anyway, you want to send us a fan mail? Send it there. You want to send us a fan email? Send us a fan email at weeklydoseofwicked at gmail.com. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. What else we got? What other kinds of pages we got? We got an Etsy. You can buy yourself buy yourself a nice sweatshirt or a beanie or a cup or any of that fun jazzy stuff. Get yourself a little early Christmas present. You know, it's December seventh. Why not? Why not treat yourself? You know, no better way to treat yourself than some weekly dose of wicked merch. That's true. What else we got? Those are all our things. That's all our things. Okay, sweet. What other things do we got going on? Uh, well, last week we talked about the uh, 12 days of podcast month. Say that again. 12 days of podcast must. Brought it down an octave. It worked that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a, I need a new mic for all of my high-pitched talking. Or you could not talk high-pitched. You know, I, I talk that way regardless of if we're podcasting or not. So I'm aware. Anyway, uh, we talked about 12 Days of Podcast Miss last week. Uh, that starts next week on, what day of the week is that? Tuesday? Is it a Tuesday? Ooh, it is. It's a Tuesday. 
Tuesday. It's the 13th. That's a week. I'm aware, Ashley. Don't don't look so freaked out. It's fine. We've got it completely under control. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. We do. It's fine. So next Tuesday, December 13th, will be the first day of Podcastmas. Uh, so at this time, we would like to play for you the ad we've created for Podcastmas. Um, only because we're proud of it. Can you hear it? No. Huh? No. Huh? What? Huh? Could you hear it or no? Huh? Can you hear it or no, you no. asshole? No, I can't. <laughs> Quit saying hey. <laughs> Alright, here it is. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And we're the host of Weekly, Weekly Dose, Dose of, of Wicked. Wicked. A true crime podcast with just a sprinkle of humor. That's right, with new episodes airing every Wednesday. Oh boy, do we have a special treat for you, so head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts. For our 12 Days of podcast mess, Where we cover 12 mini-cases every day for 12 days. So make sure to tune in to Weekly Dose of Wicked on December 13th through December 24th. If you could do that, that'd be super appreciated. It sure would, because we paid for this ad with our own hard-earned money. So don't let it flop! Okay, thanks, bye! Bye! So there it is. Phenomenal, phenomenal job we did. I think I think that we did a great job. And by we, I mean me. Um, I was part of that. Thank you. I was part of the planning session. Okay, but you just lent your voice. I did all of the editing. I put it to the music, which was completely my idea. I'm just saying. Whatever. Pretty proud of our ad. So anyway, that's our ad. It's now being played on other podcasts. Hopefully. I don't know. We paid for it. So hopefully other people are listening to it. Might be a big waste of money, but I guess we'll find out if we get any new listeners. So if you came because of that ad, thanks. Thanks, dude. All right. In other news, along with that, we also have a theme song for the 12 Days Podcast, Miss, which we would also like to play for you now to get you hyped. Oots, 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 oots. This jingle was performed um, exclusively by Alan Harrington, our father. He did a phenomenal job. So let's hear it for him. Beautiful job. It only took a couple of, a couple of uh, recording sessions before we got it absolutely perfect. And I think it's just... Top notch. And by a couple, we mean 47,000. It didn't take that many. Don't be dramatic. No, maybe 12. <sighs> I don't even think it took 12. I think you're being dramatic still, but it's fine. Anyway. Well, he did shut the mic off. He did shut the mic off because he insisted on holding it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, without further ado, here is our beautiful jingle for the 12 Days of Podcast Miss. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. On this day of podcast miss, my favorite podcasters gave to me. 12 poisonings, 11 eyeball pluckings, 10 sleepless weekends, 9 missing hobos, 8 awkward dates, 7 medical malpractices, 6 southern stabbings, 5 golden rings, a quadruple homicide, a few cryptic notes, 2 teenage dirtbags, and a lunatic ex-husband. Phenomenal job. Masterpiece. Absolutely perfect. He's the cutest. He is. My favorite is five golden rings. And then when he's like, lunatic ex-husband, <laughs> he like completely loses his key, but it's okay. He did, he did a great job. job anyways. He did a phenomenal job. I really wanted to leave in the part when he said, this is the part where I get stage fright. Yeah, I loved that part. We had a great time recording. It's lots of fun. So anyway, that's what we got going on. So as you could tell, 
by the jingle. It's 12 days, 12 different cases each day, a different case, not 12 cases a day in case I was misleading. Yeah, not 12 cases a day. I hope no one thought that. Um, But anyway, so we'll start with day one, lunatic ex-husband, move our way through until we get to 12, which was, I forgot what 12 was. 12 poisonings, yes. So anyway, we'll work our way through each day. Um, Ashley has odds. I have evens. So get yourselves geared up and hyped up for that. It's going to be lots of fun. So anyway, what else we got? That's it, right? That's it. Okay, so before we jump into the case, I do just want to like take a brief moment to discuss um, the disappearance and then what ended up being the murder of Athena Strand. Um, I know we briefly like talked about it. I'm sure most of you know because you follow what's going on. We have some listeners in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm sure they I'm sure they know what's going on. But um I also want to discuss it because honestly it's really got it's really shaken me. Yeah. I'm very I'm very upset by really the case. horrible. It's really horrible. And as a mother of three children, it really just is devastating. So Athena Strand, seven years old, went missing from her home. Come to find out she was kidnapped by a FedEx driver. We know what happened if you want to look more into that. But what really got me, though, is her grandfather came out with a statement. And um, I saw it uh, a couple days ago. But he had wrote, um, like, essentially, no one deserves what happened to you. But he essentially, like, made a post saying that he was being led to forgive the FedEx driver. Um, That, like, he felt that God was speaking to him, telling him that he needed to forgive him. It was just a very heartwarming, heartwarming post. That's sweet. I didn't see that. In a very devastating case. I mean, obviously, it's an extremely devastating case. And um, I think anyone with children or without can agree. Like, it's just, I mean, honest, it's honestly just horrendous to think, like, someone's delivering a package to your house, kidnaps your kid. Right. Like, I would never think twice about a FedEx driver or a UPS driver or a mail delivery. Yeah. Do you know how many times, like, my kids go out and get, like, a package from the Amazon driver or the FedEx driver or the UPS driver? Like, and I've never thought twice about it. Yeah. Like they will be like, oh, mail's here. And they'll go outside and they'll like get the package from them mid in the middle of the driveway. And I've never thought twice about it. Now I will. Yeah. Don't do that. So anyway, um, my heart is with the family because it's a devastating case. And um, yeah, really all I wanted to discuss on that. But I wanted to know if you knew about the grandfather because I just thought that was very. No, I haven't. I'll have to look up his post. Emotional. Or if you have it pulled up, you could send it to me. Mm, I have an article on like the most recent updates from 11 hours ago, but, and I know there was like some speculation that possibly maybe it was an accident. Maybe he he hit her with the FedEx truck, but um, they did come out and say that the autopsy did not, they did not give a cause of death, but they did say the autopsy did not support that. Right. I saw that. So I don't know. Just devastating, but. It is. If you're in Fort Worth, Texas, keep us posted on what happens because I'm sure now that they kind of know what's going on, it's probably not going to be as big of a a news story, you know? No, probably not. But our thoughts are with you. Yeah. Horrible. All right. What do we got this week? Well, there are no kids this time, so. Thank you. No kids. So I'm just going to jump on in. Okay. So on June 25th, 1988, Mark Jackson waited at the Fort Lauderdale International Airport for his brother, David Jackson, to pick him up for his visit with his family, but David never showed. Mark immediately knew something was wrong. It wasn't like his brother to just not show up with no notice. Days went by, no one heard from David, and he wasn't showing up to work. So they reported him missing. 
a huge search went on to find David. They didn't find David, but they did find his car at the airport parking lot. His car was wiped completely clean. There was no DNA or fingerprints found in the car, not even David's. The police didn't believe that there was foul play involved. There were no witnesses, no evidence of a crime, and no body. So they believed that David got in a plane and went off to find a new life. They thought there was no foul play in a car that had been completely wiped clean. Yeah. Okay. And he went off to find a new life because that's the answer always, right? Yeah. So David's family was insistent that that wasn't the case. It wasn't like David at all. And he had really big plans in two weeks that he was really excited about. He had a five-year-old son named John, and he was coming from Arizona to visit him for a month during his son's summer break. Mm -hmm. David even took off the whole month of work so he could spend as much time as possible with his son. There wasn't a ton of investigation into David's disappearance. They questioned people at the airport, but nobody saw anything. They questioned his family. They didn't know anything except the feeling that something bad happened. They talked to David's roommate at the time. He said that David got a phone call from someone that sounded like a woman that day. David went and showered, got dressed, looked nice before heading out, and never returned. Nothing was missing from his apartment or his car. They questioned his ex-wife and his son's mother, Barbara Britton. She said that she didn't know anything, and she was sure that David was fine, and he would just call when he was ready to be found. So the police settled on the fact that he just left to start that new life. Days of not hearing from David turned into weeks, months, years. There wasn't a single sign of David. His mother, Judy Carlson, never gave up. She worked hard to continue to get the word out about David. The cops really weren't doing it, so she worked on her own. She made her own missing posters. She distributed them herself. She wrote letters to America's Most Wanted, to Oprah, trying to get the national coverage. She even reached out to a multitude of trucking companies to try to get them to put his picture on the back of their semi-trucks. That's interesting. So she was really putting in the work. Hmm. She really clung on to the hope that one day David would just show back up into their lives. Unfortunately, all of her efforts didn't help. There wouldn't be any development in the case at all for 15 years. When Detective Donna Velasquez was promoted to be a cold case detective, one of her first cases given to her was the missing David Jackson. Oh, okay. She said that when they gave it to her, it seemed like it was a test to see if she was really cut out to be a cold case detective, so she gave it her all. She started with a background on David. David was 24 at the time of his disappearance. He lived in Pembroke Pines, Florida, and worked for Coca-Cola as a truck driver. In 1982, he had a son, John, with his teenage love, Barbara Britton. The two had met at Burger King, where David was the manager, and Barbara was one of his employees. They had that typical young love where they fell fast and hard. Soon into their relationship, Barbara became pregnant. The two got married and tried to raise their son. They had a pretty rocky relationship. Her family didn't approve of David, and they weren't supportive of their relationship at all. In 1985, they ended up getting a divorce, but they decided that it was important for the two of them to try to co-parent. So they decided that they would share custody and David would get John on the weekends. Okay. They did a pretty good job of this for the next two years until Barbara remarried a man named Michael Wolf, and they moved to Arizona. David still lived in Florida, so he would fly to visit his son. And he was even scheduled to have his first visit with his son in Florida just two weeks. Well, that's sad. Super sad. So looking through the files of the case, there wasn't much there. They didn't do a lot of investigating. There were a few leads that they did follow, but they came up with nothing. So Detective Velasquez 
had an idea. She knew that with how the ground was and weather in Florida, if his body had been buried, that it would have became uncovered by now. I guess because there's so much like sand there and rain. Yeah, that makes sense. Things like shift very easily. Okay. So she started searching for unidentified remains on the internet. Um, I watched a couple like some like a YouTube podcast thing. Okay. And then I also, um, maybe it wasn't a YouTube podcast. It was a YouTube video, but I think it was of a show. But anyways, it doesn't matter. And um, like Dateline and I watched 48 Hours and they were all like, and she used the internet. This was such a big thing. One of her coworkers had to teach her how to Google because <laughs> it was in like the early 2000s. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And like, look how far we came. I Googled yeah. this whole case. Yes, we have come far. That is true. So anyways, after hours and hours of searching the internet, she finally came across a site created by a Florida medical examiner. And after putting in the criteria, it came up with 50 matches. She sifted through them and narrowed it down to three that she believed could be David. But one really stood out to her. A body that was found in 1989, just one year after David went missing, in Miramar, Florida, which was only a few miles and one town over from where David lived. During construction of a Walmart, a partial skeleton was found. Hmm. Um, some articles said it was, like, different parts of the skeleton, but it was consistently said, like, three or four bones, and one of them was always a hand in all of the research I found. Okay. So they couldn't identify the remains at the time, so they had been sitting in an evidence locker ever since. Detective Velasquez got a forensic anthropologist to test the bones to see if they could be a match to David. It came back that they couldn't be David because the skeleton wouldn't have been any taller than five foot nine, and David was six foot two. Okay. Detective Velasquez was feeling really defeated, so she asked the forensic anthropologist if maybe she could have been wrong and just to test him again. They said no, couldn't be wrong. I'm right, 100%, but I'll appease you. Fine, I'll test him again. So she did, and it came back that the skeleton would have been about 6'1 to 6'3, and David was 6'2. Right. So they tested the DNA of David's mom, Judy, against the bones, and it came up as a 100% match as a relative. So they found him when they were, you said, when they were uh, building a Walmart? Yeah. What a crappy way to be found. Yep. Um, In an oxygen special? They were talking about how the coworkers were throwing watermelons at each other, and that's how what? they found him. I don't know. It was really weird, but I thought that was funny. Like, Floridians throwing watermelons at each other. Yeah. They, like, needed to take a break, so they went to play and throw some watermelons at each other. Yeah, that's weird. It was super weird. So, it just so happened that Detective Velasquez had a police explorer at the time named John. And I think police explorers are, like, students that are, like, maybe wanting to be police. That's what it sounds like. Okay. So, one day when he was sitting at her desk with her, he noticed a missing poster of David. And he was like, hey, I mm -hmm. know that man. That's my dad. What? Yeah. I mean, he didn't know him, obviously, because he was, like, five at the time. But well, right. she, like, recognized his picture. It was his dad at the desk. So, her random police explorer was David's son. Yeah, that's crazy. That's some crazy coincidence, right? Yeah, pretty crazy. So that she told him, you know, yep, this is a cold case. I'm working on it, whatever. He went home. He told his mom about it. They're reopening his dad's case and how cool that was. Mm -hmm. And Barbara basically said, why would they do that? The case is closed. They need to leave it alone. It's been closed for a long time. There's no point in that. So Barbara did it? Hold on to your britches. Okay. My britches are on. <laughs> 
So John came back and he told Detective Velasquez about his mom's super weird reaction. Right. And said that he thought that she might be hiding something. He was five? No, at this time he wasn't five. When his dad disappeared, he was five. Okay. This was 15 <laughs> so years later. He's like, was- I was like, first of all, why is a five-year-old being a police explorer? <laughs> No, <laughs> that makes more sense. I was very confused of why they had a five-year-old like training to be a police officer. Okay, no, no, he was five when his dad disappeared. This was fifteen years later, so he's like nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. I don't know, somewhere okay. in there. I got you. Okay, that makes much more sense. Oh, okay, okay, so we're on board now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Detective Velasquez brought Barbara in for questioning. She told her that David's remains had been found, and Barbara asked where they were found and how many bones there were. What? Why would she ask that? Like, that's such a random thing to ask. Right? Where where did they find the body? How many bones were there? Like, that's really weird. Yeah. Sketchy. Red flags being thrown. Why would she need to know how many bones there were? And why did she even assume that there were broken up bones? Right. Okay. Okay, Barbara. So, um, Detective Velasquez thought this was uh, super weird, as do we. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're on the same page as the detective. <laughs> we basically are detectives, so that would make sense. So, immediate suspicion. Barbara denied any involvement. She said that she had an alibi. She was in Arizona at the time of David's death. And she also told this crazy story about David being a drug runner. She says that when David was working for Coca-Cola... He would tell her about how he was using his delivery schedule to run drugs. Someone would place the drugs on his truck in the morning and throughout his route, they would disappear. Hmm. The detectives didn't really believe this story. David had no prior run-ins with the law, and the story seemed kind of made up. So they felt like she was kind of trying to divert the investigation into another direction, like get the heat off of her. That's weird. Why would she do that? Oh, I have no idea. So Detective Velasquez looked into Barbara a little more. She found that only a couple months after David's disappearance, Barbara and her husband Michael had contacted a lawyer and started the process of adopting John and changing his last name to Wolf. Oh, okay. So that seems a little soon to me. I would agree. A couple months later, they didn't even know if he was officially dead because they never found a body. Right. And then, I didn't really have a good place to put this, so I just put it here. A couple of months after the adoption was finalized, so probably a few years later, um, Barbara divorced Michael and then took him to court for child support. What? Yeah, because he adopted John. What so. heck? Like, Barbara is a real piece of work. Yeah, she is a real piece of work. I would agree with that. I don't know how I feel about Barb's. <laughs> yeah. So Detective Velasquez started looking into Michael. She thought he was married to Barbara at the time. Maybe he was involved. Maybe he knows something. So Michael now lives in Ohio, and he's the manager at Chuck E. Cheese. He was questioned, and he denied any involvement. After hours of questionings, he told them about a conversation he once had with Harry Britton, Barbara's dad. Michael said that Harry hated David and had come to him about three to four months before David's disappearance and asked his advice on how to get rid of David. Michael's advice was to use a twenty-two caliber handgun and shoot him in the head. Still, he denied having any actual involvement, and there was no evidence, so they had to release him. But red flags on him, too. So Detective Velasquez did some digging into him, and she found that Michael had sold a twenty-two caliber handgun to one of his ex-wives. 
Okay. Her name was Nancy Graham. Mm-hmm. So she called um, up Nancy and asked to speak to her about the disappearance of David Jackson. Okay. And Nancy's response was, how much do you have on him? What? That was, as, as soon as she said, "Were I want to know about the disappearance of David Jackson, she was like, how much do you have on Michael? So Detective Velasco okay. was like, hmm, I have enough to put him away, which was a lie. She had nothing. Right. Nancy said, I'm going to have to call you back. And a few minutes later, Nancy calls her back, and she tells Detective Velasquez everything she knows. Nancy says that Michael was an alcoholic, and one night he got super drunk and told her his deepest secret. He said that Barbara and Harry came to him and said that they needed help getting rid of David. Barbara told him how abusive physically and emotionally David was to her son, and she just needed to get him out of their lives. He said that he felt like if he didn't help Barbara and Harry that he would lose his wife. I think lose your wife then, buddy. Right? But anyways, they came up with a plan. Like, lose your wife or kill somebody. Right. But, like, also kill somebody that you have no reason to kill. Well, he says that Barbara wanted him dead because he was abusive. To John. Okay, but, like, does he have proof of that? No. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand I what she said. I don't know. There might be, but. I, I mean, I understand what she that. said, but I'm just saying, like, she is a, a few screws loose. Um, it sounds like it. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. So they came up with a plan. Uh, Barbara called and pretended that she wanted to get back together with David. David's mom, Judy, later confirmed that this did happen. She says that she remembers when David got the call and how excited he was. He immediately told her that Barbara wanted to get back together with him. She was the love of his life. He was so happy. They used fake IDs to fly from Arizona to Florida. They rented a hotel room, and Barbara lured David to the room where Harry and Michael were hiding in the bathroom. She had him come sit on the bed with her, and she pulled out a stun gun. Harry heard that the stun gun wasn't working and came out with a gun wrapped up in a towel to muffle the gunshot. He shot David in the head, but he missed and shot him in the ear. At this point, Harry came out and said... Yo, he's not dead. You need to shoot him again. So Michael did. Then the three of them wrapped David up in a blanket, took him to Harry's car, which he conveniently backed right up to the motel door. How convenient. They brought his body to a secluded area where they had already pre-dug a hole. They laid him in it, covered him in lye to speed up the decomposition, and filled in the hole. They then went back to the hotel room to clean up their mess. They moved David's car to the airport, wiped it clean, and went on to live their lives free of David and carefree. Okay, but like, okay, so just pause for a second. They went to the hotel to clean up their mess. Mm -hmm. How on earth did they clean up their mess to a point that the hotel didn't realize somebody had been killed in the hotel room? I don't know. And they shot him in the head. That's a right. That's a mess. That's a freaking mess. Yeah. And like, hotels normally have carpet. Right. What hotel were they at? A Motel 6. Yeah. Motel 6 definitely had carpet. I mean, come on. 
Like, there ain't no way that there wasn't blood everywhere. Yeah, I don't know how. I mean, the motel should. Uh, there's no way the motel. I, how could they have not known someone was murdered in the room? I mean, come on. And also, they wrapped up the gun in a towel. I don't feel like a towel is enough to muffle a gunshot completely. Uh, someone I had mean, to have heard something. You would think. I don't know. Yeah, and multiple gunshots. Multiple. Because he missed yeah. him. Hit him in the ear. Right. Like, what? Okay. Where was this at in Florida? You had to ask. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. Pembroke Pines, I think. Okay. Yeah, Pembroke Pines. I don't know. It's near Fort Lauderdale because that's what the airport was. I'm just wondering if this is a heavily gunned area where they would think not think twice about gunshots. Maybe. I mean, it kind of seems. I mean, I didn't look it up, but it kind of seems like a smallish area. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Whatever. Like they're building a Walmart. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Somebody should have heard the gunshots and been like, hmm, that's weird. Let's call the police. Like, there was no record of, like, police reports about gunshots. Like, uh, that's just weird to me. Well, they also, it doesn't seem like really did a lot of investigating. Right. They, they just, just were just like, oh, he ran away. His car was wiped completely clean. He ran away to start a new life. Right. Okay. <laughs> Annoying. Yeah. Super weird. Mm-hmm. Continue. So a year after, Harry called Michael. And let him know that a Walmart was being built in the area where they buried David. I know I should know this, and I'm sorry. Who is Harry? Barbara's dad. Okay, so her father helped kill. Yeah. It, yes. So according to Nancy, which is Michael's ex-wife. Right. Okay. She says that Barbara and Barbara's dad came to Michael and asked him. Okay. I'm sorry. This story is just really blowing my mind. I'm having a really hard time keeping up. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. So Harry is Barbara's dad. Michael is Harry's, not Harry's. Michael is Barbara's second husband. Yes. David is the first husband, father of the son. Yes. Okay. All right. I've got it all straight away now. All right. So anyway, Harry came to Michael and told him they're building a Walmart. Yes. And it just so happened that Harry worked for the city in the wastewater wastewater management. So he could keep up with all of the new buildings. Oh, okay. That was convenient. That is convenient. Very convenient. So he told him that the Walmart was being built. So he instructed Michael to go dig up the body and dispose of it somewhere else. So they didn't want to be caught. So Michael's still living in Arizona. He flies back to Florida, goes to the site where they found David's body. Harry is in Florida. Why can't Harry go? Right. Move the body. Why does Michael have to fly from Arizona to Florida to move the body? I just find it so crazy that they're flying from state to state and they didn't catch these people for 15 years. Well, the first time they used fake IDs. I just thought that it's so crazy to me. Well, it's also the 80s. So flying doesn't have as strict of guidelines. I guess. But I just flying apparently used to be a breeze before 9-11. Yeah. So he went, he went back to Florida to move the body. But mm-hmm. it had been a year. It was pretty decomposed. So it was only bones. And they also poured lye on it. So yeah. Right. So I'm sure it was decomposed. Right. So just bones. So Michael gathered up what he could find in a garbage bag, brought it back to Harry's home, where he put it in the trash at the road to go to the dump. What? Yeah. What a piece of trash. They didn't catch this? No. Oh my God. No, he just put it in the trash can. Put it in the trash can. That's why she want to know how many bones they found. Yeah. What the frick? That's some crazy stuff right there. Yeah, crazy. Put it in the stinking trash bin on the side of the road. Like, oh, come on by, trash people. Pick up the body. Yeah. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Ballsy. Very ballsy. 
Okay. And again, Harry, it was going to your house. Why couldn't you just do it? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand that either. Anyways, the story Nancy told was consistent with what they found at the construction site. The body was more decomposed than it should have been, and there were traces of lie. Was Nancy his wife pre-Barbara or after Barbara? After Barbara. Okay. I was just thinking this is an awful lot of information to be given your ex-wife. No, after. So, um... That makes more sense. Okay. Fun fact. Michael here had seven wives. That's a lot of wives, Michael. Barbara was number five. Okay. Nancy was six. Okay. Well, it makes more sense if she was after. I was thinking, like, pre-Barbara. I thought he was just, like, calling up his ex-wives to, like, spill the tea. Like, girl, let me tell you what I did. No. No, it was while they were married. Okay, that makes more sense. So they brought Michael in to question him. And he said that none of that was true, and Nancy was a crazy liar. Okay. So Michael said that, again, Harry was the one who wanted to kill David. Mm-hmm. Told him about the conversation they had. Harry asked him for advice. He said that, now that he thinks about it, he did tell Harry that a good place to bury a body was where that Walmart was going to be located. Okay. I mean, pre-knowing that the Walmart was going to be located there, in this right. abandoned area. Right, obviously. I mean, I don't think he would intentionally put a body where they're going to build a Walmart. No, probably not. But he didn't have anything to do with it. Harry was now dead. So he couldn't defend himself. So I wondered if Harry even was, like, involved or if they just, like, blamed Harry. I don't know. Because, like, yeah, you're right. It would make more sense for Harry to, like, go do all this dirty work if it's, like, all involving his house. But maybe Harry wasn't actually involved. Maybe not. Like, maybe Michael's just a big liar. And also, like, even if Michael didn't murder him, he still trash because Harry came to him and was like, hey, how do I kill this guy? And then the guy ended up disappearing and dying. Right. And he didn't say anything. And he didn't like, hey, so my father-in-law. Right. Okay. Okay. Crazy. Okay. So he didn't cooperate really with the police, but they had enough to arrest him anyways. So in 2007, he was arrested and brought back to Florida. In the meantime, another one of his wives (laughs) came forward and told a similar story. I believe she was the seventh. Okay. She said that Michael would get drunk and talk about killing David. Her story was a tad different mm-hmm. than Nancy's, but it was like the same premise. Okay. His trial was set for November of 2007. The only physical evidence that they had was that 22 caliber handgun. And then they had the two testimonies from his ex-wives. The jury only deliberated for less than an hour. And they came back with a guilty verdict. I'm sure they did. Never good when they have less than an hour. Uh, What about Barb's? Where's she at? I'm getting there. Okay. Michael was sentenced to life in prison for first-degree murder of David Jackson. A few days after his conviction and sentencing, Michael came clean. He told his side of the story. He said that Barbara was involved. Shocking. Yeah, that was shocking. He said that they did it for her. Harry was the mastermind. Michael was the one who pulled the trigger. But it was all for Barbara. Yeah, it was. I mean, 100%. So, basically, he told the same story that his ex-wives both told. He states that Barbara orchestrated the whole thing because of the abuse to her son and not wanting David to have custody of him. So, they arrested Barbara in December of 2007. And Mm -hmm. she says that that's not true. She had no involvement. She says that Michael must just be placing blame on her to get revenge. But, like, why would he kill her ex-husband for no reason? She's an idiot. So she tells the cops a story about how when one day she was at their house doing laundry and she found a very large 
of cash in one of Michael's shirt pockets. So she confronted him, and he admitted that he was doing some gun running. So she went and told the police on him. Um, couldn't actually find anything anywhere that says that he was ever arrested for this gun mm-hmm. running that he was doing. But I think that's also very um, similar to David was doing drug running. Right. So interesting that they're both running illegal things. Yeah. She also says that she never alleged that there was any abuse to her son. That was all her dad. That David was a great father and she loved him and she missed him every day and he would never hurt their son. She also produced a phone record that she had saved in her home from 15 years ago. Yeah, because that's normal. I just keep my old phone records. Yeah, same. Just happened to be in her house that proved that she was in Arizona. She says that on this phone record, it shows that someone placed a call to her house and she answered and it was four minutes long. Okay. So she had to be in Arizona because who else would answer the phone call? I don't know. Her friend. Her right? neighbor. Like anybody, anybody could answer the phone. And who was the call to? Or from? Oh, I don't know. Like, that's, she's a piece of work. Yeah, I, that doesn't really make any sense. That's not evidence at all. So Mm-mm. it did not give her the alibi that she hoped it would. I mean, no. And also, like, like you said, like, who holds on to a phone record? I was home because I, I had a four-minute call and I kept the phone bill to prove it from 15 years ago. Right. Because I knew you were going to come looking. don't have a phone bill from ever. Right. So. I don't even keep, I mean, my phone auto-deletes my text messages after so many days. So, yeah. And, like, I delete voicemails left and right and my call log. Yeah, I mean, not my call log, but you know what I mean? Like, my voicemails. I never save voicemails. Any of that. Yeah. I mean, I do because I'm a hoarder. But um, I'm not a hoarder. I'm a thrower aware. Well, you know how I feel about my text messages and my voicemails. And you know how I feel about everything. I throw it all away. <laughs> well, one day, you might not be here anymore and I will want our text messages. And if they auto-delete, I won't have them. Those, but I don't know why you'd want them. Because they're funny. Sometimes I look at me and Grimble's text because they're funny. Yeah. Anyways, they're not important. So she did admit that she helped set up a meeting between her father and David. She says that her dad just wanted to talk to him. He didn't really tell her why. So that must have been when he killed him. But she didn't know that he was going to kill him. And she wasn't even there. Why would she need to set up an appointment between her father and her ex-husband? Because her father wanted to talk to him, supposedly. I understand that, but why couldn't her father have called himself? Because he hated him. So they didn't talk. Hey. So maybe, like, he wouldn't have answered if the dad called? I don't know. I, I just feel like if my father-in-law called me up and was like, hey, I need to talk to you, I'd be like, okay, no problem. Like, no questions asked. Right, but you also, you don't hate each other. I mean... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you like your father-in-law just fine. He's yeah, they're fine. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so the main evidence against her was the testimony of Michael. But he turned out that he was not the most reliable witness. Mm-hmm. When he was brought in by the prosecutor for an interview, he said that he wouldn't talk to them until he knew what he was getting out of this deal. What would he get in return for talking to them? Nothing. You're a murderer. Previously. They had given him a plea deal before he got convicted that they would reduce his sentence to 15 years if he turned in his accomplice. So he wanted that deal back. That's not how it works, buddy. 
Right. You should take the deal when it's offered. Sorry. So too late for that play deal. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Yeah. So because he was only testifying for a personal gain, mm-hmm. he wasn't a very good. I said he wasn't good evidence. I don't think that's what I meant. But anyways, we're going to go with it. He wasn't good evidence. <laughs> that's not what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> he was not a good witness. Yes, that's what you meant. Soon, uh, my favorite, a jailhouse snitch, came forward mm-hmm. and said that Michael had told him that he completely made up Barbara's involvement to screw over one last time. Okay. So the detectives and the prosecutors fully believe that Barbara was involved, but because of the unreliability of Michael and the jailhouse snitch, Barbara Britton was given a plea deal. She got time served, which was three years at this point. Plus two years house arrest and eight years probation in exchange for a guilty plea for accessory after the fact. So, meaning that she knew about the murder, but not until after it was already committed. Okay. She agreed to the plea deal. She took it, but she still denies involvement and says that the only reason she took it is because she knew that her case didn't look good. And so she didn't want to take her chance with jurors. So she took I mean, her lawyer's advice, advice and pleaded guilty. I could see that, but I still think that she probably was involved. I don't know. I mean, I definitely think she was involved. Yes. Um, something that really isn't related, but I thought was weird, so I wanted to add it in. Mm-hmm. After her divorce with Michael, she moved back to Florida, and she got a job at Walmart. Where the body was? David was buried at. What the heck? Freak. What is, yeah, that's ridiculous. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. I just have, like, so many questions, though. I probably don't have any answers. Like, I, wanted, I wonder if Harry was actually involved, or if they just kind of tried to, like, use him as a scapegoat because he was dead. Yeah, I don't know, but that's really shitty if Barbara did. Like, it's her dad. Yes. yes. And I also want to know why so many things slipped through cracks 15 years prior. I agree. Like, they're flying across the country, they're moving bodies, they're putting bodies in trash cans to be taken to the dump, like... But he just moved on to a better life. No worries. Right. Yeah, he just moved on. That's what they do. They start start a new life. I want to find a case where they really do that. Let's find one. (laughs) Okay, I'll try. Like, let's find a case where, like, there's a serious murder investigation, and then they're like, oh, hey, and then they find him, and they're just like, oh, hey, I actually, I'm just drinking pina coladas on the beach, just wanted a better life. I don't think we'll find that, because it doesn't happen. I don't think it happens either, but they sure think it happens a lot, that it must happen at some point. I mean, maybe once. I don't know. We gotta find it. That's gonna be our goal for after podcast, miss. Yeah, we got a lot going on right now, so not right now. Nah, after podcast, miss. That's some crazy stuff, man. That really was a crazy case. I'll give it to you. It's pretty crazy. Wild ride, right? That was a wild ride. For sure. Like a fiery crash of a ride. Right, like you immediately knew, like, oh, Barbara had something to do with it. Yeah. For, I mean, well, like, for you sure. didn't think that all of these other people were involved. Ex-wives no. galore. Mm-hmm. Turned it in. Michael. Why they didn't turn him in until now? I don't know, but. I mean, he should be nicknamed Loose Lips McGee. <laughs> yeah. He's telling everybody about this murder he committed. Only when he's drunk. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. 
yeah, so that was all. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. You're welcome. Um, we do have a question. We do have a question this week. Our question is from... I don't know where the questions are. There they are. Our question is from Justice. Hey, y'all. Would you ever consider bringing in guests on the podcast to have other banter? I love you both so much. Heart. I want to start off by saying we love you too, Justice. So much. So there's that. Um, guest stars. Do you want to handle that or you want me to handle that? Um, I mean, it's something we've definitely discussed. We had a guest on our Patreon episode, our little brother. Yes. But in order to have guests, we have to have an extra mic that they have to then obtain from us. Right. Mics are expensive. This is true. So not only that, but also, um, I'm not going to say we would never have guest stars or like guest hosts or whatever. Because I do think it would be fun. But I think also in order to do that. Okay. Let's just back this up. All right. So we had Sterling as a guest star. It was loads of fun. His quality, his sound quality was not good because we did not have an extra mic to give him. So he used like his Xbox headset. Yeah. Is that what he used? So like, Mm -hmm. it's not great quality. So, I mean, we could possibly have like a guest star without great quality, Um, But yeah, in order to have a guest, we would need them to have a mic, which they would either have to buy for themselves or we would have to supply them and like ship them if they were somewhere else. And then also that episode was a bitch to edit. Oh, I'm sure it was. With three people. It was so hard to edit because we were all talking over each other. And um, I know I, I complain about editing enough, but in order to edit our episodes, like I do it in steps. So like step one, I like upload the audio and then I pull our voices apart. So I know that like when I send out a finalized video, not video, a finalized episode, we're not talking over each other. But like in the raw audio, we're talking over each other. And I have to take and pull our audio apart so that it makes like coherent sentences, if that makes sense. So to do that with three people was quite difficult because I was trying to like pull it apart. But then like sometimes like it, it wouldn't make sense because I pulled it apart wrong. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? I have to like move it around. It was just a lot to edit. So I'm not going to say we would never have guests because I think that we definitely would. And I think it'd be fun. Yeah. I think it's also more of like, I think it'd be better to be a Patreon thing. Yes. Yes. Because it's easier to have mess ups and a little bit talking over each other or some poor quality. Like our Patreons 100% love us because they pay for us. Yeah, I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like the Patreon's a little more forgiving. Right. Yes, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, it would definitely be better to do for Patreon. And I'm not saying we would never do it because I think we would. And I think it'd be fun. And a lot of people have, like, said, like, they wish that they could be on there with us so that they could, because they want to talk to us, like, while we're doing our episodes. So, I mean, I don't think that it would be a something we'd be against. I think it's just something we have to figure out. Yeah. There's a lot of logistics to that. And honestly, I know we sound, you think we're professional, but we're not. We don't know what we're doing. No, not at all. We just fly by the seat of our pants and hope that this thing, you know, people like it. Pretty much. I don't know. Um, Ashley did have somebody that I wanted to guest star, but she didn't seal that deal, so. Uh, That was not my fault. But I had a super interesting person that I wanted to come onto the podcast, but he was not interested. 
So that was sad because no. he would have been really, really cool. Yeah, it would have been really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, did you ask that justice because you want to be a guest? Because, I mean, you can call me anytime to talk true crime. <laughs> anytime. And we, can, we can record it if you want. And we can put it on the Patreon. You could hop on in to Discord with us. Yeah. And we could chat. I mean, I would be totally cool with that. I just, the only thing is, is yeah, I mean, it would have to be a Patreon thing. Because I just think that uh, quality would not be good. No. It's hard enough to get good quality with just the two of us. And I think it would have to be like a mini. Yeah. Because there's too much editing. Yeah. It would take me too long to edit if we did like an hour long episode. But yeah, we could do like a. Or you know what, Justice? You could do a case and research it and you could hop on and tell us about it. And we could react. That would be fun. That would be fun. I feel let's like that's. Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let's chat. We'll chat about it. Um, but yeah, I'm not opposed to that. Definitely something we would consider. Or if we could get someone like super cool, I'd totally be willing to uh like forego uh quality. I don't know, just someone cool who would be like I don't know, like a Ooh, who's your um criminology? Not criminology. Um what's it called? I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. Yes, you do, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Your profiler. About. Who's your profile guy that you love so much? I don't know. You talked about him in an, in a case. You were like, he was the profiler. So cool. Yeah, he was just like the profiler for um, the Unabomber. Clint Van Zandt. That's what it is. Clint Van Zandt. He is the profiler who profiled on Heidi Allen's case. And he also profiled for, um, he like worked on the Unabomber case. And I caught backlash for this because our favorite podcasters, Morbid, um, they covered Heidi Allen literally the same week I did, which was a legit coincidence. Actually, it was a week after I did. I did it first, but just saying. Um, they said, it's no hate against them, but they said that the profiler on Heidi Allen's case helped profile the Oklahoma City bomber. And I said the profiler on Heidi Allen's case helped profile the, the Unabomber. And I got backlash of people like telling me I was wrong and that I, that, that, the, the Oklahoma City bomber and the Unabomber were not the same person, which I know. Um, Clint Van Zant profiled the Unabomber and the Oklahoma City bomber. So, just saying. I wasn't wrong. We just decided to choose different bombings, I guess. I don't know. I thought the Unabomber was, I guess, cooler. I don't know. Not cooler, but I guess. I just thought that was, like, a bigger deal that, like... I thought it was more well-known, yes, than the Oklahoma City bomber. But he did. Clint Van Zandt worked on Heidi Allen's case, the Unabomber's case, and the Oklahoma City bombing case. He was on all of them, so I was not wrong. Just putting that out there. Okay, anyways, now that we know that Sarah wasn't wrong. Just saying. Anyway. But yeah, like, if we could get someone like Clint Van Zandt to do, like, a... I mean, that would never, ever happen in a million years. But if we could, I would 100% have grainy audio and let you all hear. Or if, like, on this case, I could have got a Detective Velasquez... Right. Like, if we could get a super cool, if we could get like a detective or like a victim family member who like wanted justice and wanted to like talk about it, or like a profiler, or like, I don't know, anybody, anybody involved in the case, I think that that would be worth having them guest star and have bad audio. Yeah. So, anyway, I hope that answers the question. I don't know. We went on a tangent. Yeah. An unnecessary one. I'm sorry, but anyway, okay, well, that was fun. So we'll see you guys next week on Tuesday. Don't forget, Tuesday, December 13th. First day of podcast. (laughs) It was really loud. First day of podcastmas. Yes, you. You were like, podcastmas!
It's like really loud. Oh, sorry. My bad. It's fine. So anyway, we'll see you then. Peace Just, out. Yeah, so that means we won't have a real episode until the 21st. No, the 28th. Yeah. So the 13th through the 24th, you will have nice little mini episodes. And then we'll see you guys for a real episode on December 28th. So thanks for tuning in. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard and want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our three tiers at the five dollar level we've got the moderately wicked for seven dollars a month we've got the awesomely wicked and for all of those high rollers big ballers out there we got the ten dollar level the extraordinarily wicked as a member of patreon you are entitled to bonus episodes uh, you also get a one-time shout-out on our podcast, as well as some other cool little extra things going on there. So come on over. Join our fan club. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at... Weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked, or you can literally just search Weekly Dose of Wicked, and we'll pop up because we're the only ones. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com Great news! You can now listen to us pretty much wherever you like to listen to podcasts. That's right, folks. We are big time. You can now hear your Weekly Dose of Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and PodFriend. The only place we can't seem to get ourselves on is Pandora. So we'll let you know when that happens. In the meantime, make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly, weekly Dose of, of Wicked. wicked. But um, psh.